0: This is Real Estate Rookie, episode
1: 143. That's, I think, the big mindset shift is just using the word if. Like, in 25 years, if I was at the number one best place I could be financially, what would that look like? I'm just make it up?
0: My name is Ashley Kerr and it is almost the new year 2022 and Tony Robinson is still my wonderful co-host and I could not be happier (laughs) to go into the new year with you, Tony.
2: We made it through another year, Ash. 2021, it was crazy, right? Because 2020 was the crazy year for everybody in so many ways. And everyone thought that 2021 was going to be like the year that things got back to normal. But it was kind of just more of the same. So here's to hoping that 2022 is like the year that we get back to some semblance of like regular normalcy and that everyone that's listening gets their first real estate deal. And then it's just good news around for everybody. I
0: know. I know. And I reach out to me and Tony on Instagram too, you guys, at Wealth for Rentals and at Tony J. Robinson and let us know what your new year's resolutions are, what your new year goals are to get that first deal or to get that next deal. We would love to love to hear from you guys about that,
2: yeah, so I think we're we're actually probably going to do an episode Ash coming up here, where we talk about our goals for twenty twenty two so i won't I won't spoil that yet, but uh just what what's what's new with you? Give me a life update. What's going on in the world of Ashley K. Well,
0: today started out super great. I just had, like, we have our little mastermind call, me, you, and our friends, I guess. And then I got some random calls uh, just about different opportunities. And I was like, wow, today is great. And then this deal I'm working on, they won't even counter my second offer. They countered my first offer, but now they're not even countering my second offer. And there's another offer coming in. So... I have some homework and some more uh, tightening of my numbers to do. One thing I will not do is I will not stretch my numbers to make the deal work as much as I want that property. So always remember that, guys, is don't over inflate your income and don't deflate your expenses just to make the deal work. There will always be other deals And I'm going to replay this to myself repeatedly today as I really, really want to just offer the full amount and get the deal, but I won't. What about you, Tony? Yeah,
2: but just just comment on that. Like it's such an easy thing to do. Like when you spend so much time looking at a deal, analyzing it, you're already kind of like imagining what you're going to do with the property. It's super easy to start making decisions that are based on emotions and not based on data. Like there's a like a small motel here in Southern California in Big Bear Lake that I put an offer in on a few months ago and we couldn't agree on a number and it's still listed. And I keep thinking, like, should I just go back and ask them what they're, you know, but it's like, if it's still listed, it's still listed because they're asking for too much. Right. So yeah, really, really solid. I even made
0: like the property, the background on my phone to like, (laughs) so when I look at my phone, it's like, is what I'm doing right now really helping me get this property? So I'm going to be so disappointed if the reason I don't get it is because they get a higher offer or something where... At first, there's been no offers and really not a lot of interest. So it was more of like, can I come up with enough money to make this work? And can I pull off the operations? But now it's like, oh, my gosh, I might not even be able to get it under contract. So we'll see.
2: But they say sometimes the best deals are the deals you don't do. Right. So if this one doesn't work out, maybe it's for a good reason. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What's new with me? Let's see, still trying to sell my house in Louisiana. Mentioned that in the last podcast. We had it under contract for all of 48 hours before it fell out of contract because of the flood insurance. So, if anyone wants a house in Louisiana, that's still out for uh, up for grabs. But super excited! Like, we will put a
0: link in the show notes. (laughs)
2: Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes if you guys want to check it out. Yeah, but super excited. Our, Our team at Alpha Geek Capital is growing. We're actually looking for an acquisitions person. So we just closed that application last night. We had a bunch of people apply, so we're, we're hoping to get someone onboarded within the next couple of weeks to help us get to our goal of buying not one, not one hundred, but one thousand short-term rental units in the next like two and a half years or so. So we're we're gonna do a pretty cool team to make that happen. But that's what's going on in my neck of the woods today.
0: I feel like over the last couple of weeks, or even like the last month, you and I both have had a lot of clarity as to where we wanna go, what we wanna do. And just from conversations we've had, I think at least like the last six months, we've kind of been a little lost, both of us. So I think, it, I love it that we're so in sync. We're lost together,
3: <laughs> yeah. that we
0: find our way together.
2: <laughs> and what better time like right here at the end of the year, right? Where like we can go into 2022 with like a lot of clarity. But I get last thing on that point, right? I think what helped me gain that clarity was having conversations with other investors. 100%. And it wasn't necessarily that they came to me and said, Tony, this is what you need to do. Like, honestly, what someone told me, they were like, Tony, it doesn't matter what you decide, just pick something. Like, it doesn't matter what you decide, just decide on something. And when I got that feedback, I was like, man, I guess you're right. And when I had that kind of realization, it was really freeing to realize that I could pick whatever I wanted to pick. I just needed to pick something.
0: Yeah, I agree. It was those little side conversations that happened at conferences or phone calls with other investors. So that's why it's so important to network, not even just the inspiration and motivation, but because you're going to get those, it's usually just like one-liners too that are like, aha moments for you. I'm like, wow, okay. But I have to say, since I have this clarity again, that I feel like so much more motivated. I can't even tell you like the last week, how much I've just wanted to grind and hustle and work because I know exactly what I'm going for now. And so nice to have clarity. Let's hope I can keep it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, when the podcast comes around in like February, we're both like in totally different directions. Like I'm I'm buying like farmhouses in in New York (laughs) by you and you're buying like, I don't know. Vacation
0: homes in Mexico, yeah.
2: (laughs) Vacation homes in Mexico, yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, are you guys ready for today's show? The last guest episode of 2021. Today we have Aaron on the show and Aaron is gonna talk about systems and processes for wholesaling. And he just started his wholesaling business in, the spring of 2021. So he's already hired virtual assistants and people to outsource his tasks to. Even if you're not wholesaling, this is a great episode to listen to, to learn how to do these things and start to outsource.
2: And not only does he go over like how he's building his team, but we also spent a good chunk of the episode just kind of talking about how he set goals for himself. So what a great episode to kind of end the year out with. T-O retirement.com or text R-E-I to three three seven seven seven. Again, text R-E-I
3: to three three seven seven seven. Remember when you had to pay to get a leads phone number? It was like the dark ages until deal machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now with your deal machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. transform your lead generation and deal making strategies with deal machine sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com/bp we know and you all know why it's super important that good
2: tenant screening is absolutely critical to your management process luckily rent ready the comprehensive property management software has a new feature that makes tenant screening a complete breeze in addition to transunion certified tenant screening rent ready now offers Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP Like Bigger Pockets Investor for six months of rent ready for only $1.
0: Okay, well, make sure you guys check us out on Instagram if you haven't already at Wealth From Rentals and Tony J. Robinson. We're gonna be sharing even more content going into the new year. And then check out the Real Estate Rookie YouTube channel. Uh, We post the podcast on there and also have weekly videos released that are tailored just for rookies. And let's bring Aaron onto the show.
2: Aaron, welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast. Super excited to have you on, man. Welcome to the show. Awesome. I'm excited to be here and honored. Yeah. Awesome, man. So we'll, we'll get into the story here, Aaron. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us how you got started in the world of real estate investor.
1: All right. So I graduated from college in 2017 and I got a job, studied engineering. So I got a like decent paying job. And then I was like, "Wow," Because I had never really been paid before. And then getting a W-2 income, like every two weeks, they're paying me more than I ever made really. I'm like. Worked jobs throughout school, but never really made any money. And then I was like, what am I going to do with all this? Geez, a wheeze. And uh, I ended up having like way more time as well. Cause like after I got home from work, I didn't really have anything to do. And I was super involved um, in college. So I was really bored uh, when I got home from work. And I was like, well, I don't know. I like working on things. So I'll just like start working on this place that I'm living in now. And See if I kind of like that. I might like buy a property to fix up and flip or something. Cause I was looking to try to figure out something to do with my money and I looked at like investing in a stock market and that wasn't really for me, I don't know, tangible guy. So I bought a duplex after looking for a while and getting super involved in like reading tons of books and being like a bigger pockets junkie, listening to those podcasts to and from work for like six months or something. So, I bought this duplex, rehabbed one unit, rented it out, and then rehabbed the other unit, and then moved out of it with. I was living in it with a friend. So, like house hacking the unit and the whole duplex. And then, me and that friend that I was living with moved into his duplex, which was like a block and a half away. So, like, I grabbed my stuff and we threw it into his car and drove like there wasn't enough room in the car for me to sit there. So I just grabbed a handful of stuff and I walked over to the duplex quicker than (laughs) he drove over there. So we moved out of that place and then I guess buying that first duplex was how I got started.
2: Yeah, so it sounds like you house hacked to begin with. Is that like the first strategy? Yeah, definitely. Awesome, man. So just give us like an overview of where your portfolio is today.
1: Okay, I still actually just have that one duplex that I bought a few years ago. And then since then I did like one flip Slash like wholesale because it was a bad wholesale deal, really. I couldn't sell. It Can to you just else. explain
0: what a, a hotel is for somebody that doesn't know, real
1: quick? Yeah, please. definitely. It's like a property that really could be listed or it's like really close to being able to be listed. So, like, I bought the property and then listed it in two weeks. So, basically, I just repainted some stuff and then like fixed a couple cabinet doors and closet doors that weren't like closing properly
0: awesome so is that your one flip and then anything else after that
1: yeah after that i did one wholesale deal and like that one i jv'd with somebody and then like as i got the call from the title company or the day that i got the call from the title company like hey your checks here come pick it up that was the day after i had quit my w2 job so I was like, ooh, that could be, I don't know if I believe in signs and everything, but that seems like it could be (laughs) one of them. So I had quit my job and then since then went on a little vacation and came back and started wholesaling. And now I've done three more wholesale deals since I started doing that. I've got a few under contract right now. And then one of them I bought and I actually am seller financing it to somebody else.
0: Awesome. Okay, so lots of different stuff going on there. First, I want to know, what was the motivation to quit your job? Is it because you hated it or was it because you were making money in real estate or you wanted to have more time to pursue
1: real estate, really? Good questions. It was kind of weird to quit my job because I didn't hate it. I liked it. I liked the job and I liked the people. And yeah, pretty much everything about it, I liked. I was just like, I don't love it. And uh, it's not really what I see... I guess I, I knew what my ideal life looked like and then I knew, or I could see like what path I was on and like path I was on, is was going to end over here to like, and then my ideal life is over here. So it just didn't seem, it didn't feel perfect and it's a good time.
0: Let's break that down a little bit. So it's the end of the year. Everybody's getting ready to put together their new year's resolutions. What's going to be their goals for this coming here? How do you kind of set that vision for yourself? For me, it is h- really hard for me to see into the future and be like, this is what I want my life to be like in five years. Do you have any tips or tricks for me and any of our listeners as to how you set that vision for yourself and really push yourself to meet that goal?
1: Absolutely. I will also start off with, I guess, like it's really hard for me too, to set a, a long-term goal. I'm definitely a goal setter and I love like, personal self-help books, basically love those. And so I set goals and and normally my goals are like, well, this year I want to run a half marathon or do something like that. That was how I was approaching my goals. But in 2020, I went to the one thing goal setting retreat and they gave me a really good framework for how to set longer term goals. And then they, instead of, I don't know, I've always kind of built my, or I've thought that, you could build like a 3 month goal and then off of that you can make your 1 year goal and then like you can make your 5 year goal from there and they were like no do it backwards so like think about what you want your life to be like in 25 years and that's really really hard to i'm like barely 25 years old so in 25 years i'm going to be twice as old as i was or as i am now it's just insane to think about so they're just like if it was that's what i think the big mindset shift is just using the word if like in 25 years if I was at the number one best place I could be financially, what would that look like? And it's kind of, at that point, you can kind of play around with it and be fun and be like, okay, so if I was like totally satisfied with my job, what would that look like? And then just make it up.
2: Let me add one comment on to that, right? Because I... I love the conversation about about goal setting because I feel like it's such a, I think everyone understands the value and setting kind of big goals to yourself but people don't often take the time to kind of really clearly identify what those goals are. And funny enough, Ash and I were just on another call this morning, we were sharing our goals with like another group of investors. And it, it's just like such a motivating feeling when you can set a super specific and clear goal for yourself because it's like all of the other noise just kind of starts to go away when you've got this really clear vision of what your future looks like, and clarity around what you should be doing on a day to day, week to week, month to month basis. That clarity just really comes in when you've got a really crystal clear vision of your future. So, not to put you on the spot too much, Aaron, but I guess in in the way that you've kind of set your goals, like, what is your advice for someone if they want to kind of mimic what you did and, and maybe set like that big. 25 year picture or 10 year picture one year goal for themselves
1: okay so basically you got to break it down because you can't just be like in 25 years my whole perfect life between like my family my relationships with friends my fitness my finances my job so i'm talking about all these things break those down into categories so start off and just say you're gonna i think it's best if you can try to like get some time alone like make a big time on your calendar and you can go out somewhere i think that's what i'm gonna do i think making it more special can make it a little bit exciting so do that and then break it down into like my perfect finances would look like this and so i have x amount of dollars saved up and i'm going to be spending x amount of dollars per month and so that'll last me the whole time or i'm gonna have this many rentals that are paying me and so that's gonna last me for whatever and then my relationships i'm gonna just like have a core group of like five to ten friends and we see each other a couple times a year and we go on like these types of vacations. And so you make all of that up. And like, that's kind of, I think the fun part, but definitely be writing it down and try to get as specific as you can. And then so you have like your life broken down into those categories. The basically like five that I can think of would be finances, your job, family, friends and health. You can break it down into more or less, but I think having that is a good place to start. So then identify your twenty-five year goals in those five areas. And then from there comes like the part where you're gonna break it down and figure out basically your most important next steps or your action plan. So break your 25 year goal down into a five year goal, and then you can break that down into a one year goal. And then from there you kind of know what you need to be working on this quarter or this month or this week.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that, Erin. Bigger Pockets also has the intention journal that kind of works in the same way where it has you break down your MINS, your most important next step. And it really helps you develop those action items to reach your goal or to get there. But Erin, enough about goal setting and the future and the vision. I wanna hear about what you're doing right now in your business. So you mentioned you've been primarily doing wholesaling. What does that business look like? Do you have partners? Do you have employees? What kind of systems do you have? I want to hear all about it.
1: Okay. I started wholesaling in May this year and I had been wholesaling. Like it was basically, I was like, I need to make a little bit of money and it would be a good way to find my next property. So maybe like I'll find my property off market. And if I find something that's not a good fit, I'll just try to sell it to somebody else. And so that's what I had been doing for about like six months of the end of 2020 i guess and so that's when i found that wholesale deal and then i found that other deal that i jv'd but then since may i was like this is what i want to do full time and so i'm kind of actually it turns out pretty interested in the business side of things and like the process side of things so what i've been doing since may is trying to systematize and make a process around things so that i can eventually like hire myself out of the business. So, so far I've been able to outsource. I had outsourced some cold calling and text message prospecting to a friend of mine that wanted to learn more about real estate. Um, And he's since moved on and I've found a virtual assistant in South America that's doing some cold calling for me right now. And I'm interviewing a person to help me with dispositions right now. So they're going to be sending out emails and creating the emails to send out to my buyers list and then doing all that communication between the interested buyers and us in the title company and just making sure that runs smoothly so that I can focus more on spending more time going out and looking at properties and analyzing properties because that's the fun part for me.
0: I saw Ashley Wilson. She's at Badash Investor on Instagram. She does multifamily syndication. She had done this post this morning or yesterday. And it was that when she goes through her email or when she does anything, it's either that task is going to be automated, delegated, or eliminated. And I thought that was so awesome. And that's what like keeps her from having to do tasks and to be that high level person where she can take something and kind of categorize it into one of those dumps, I guess, and dump it into there. But Aaron, are you using any kind of software to manage these contractors you are working for you or to do your project management workflow?
1: Yeah, so the, I was using Podio when I started just because it was free and it was working pretty well for me to manage like following up with people, but it wasn't working as well as I thought it could be. And now I'm using Forefront, which is a CRM that Danny Johnson made. And I found him actually like on another Bigger Pockets podcast. And I was using him for a website before that. And he like invited me to a webinar where he was like rolling out the CRM and he was like, we're giving everybody a great deal. And I was like, I don't know if I need it, but I think it's going to be helpful. And so kind of took a leap of faith and it's Awesome. I love it so much.
2: Aaron, one one thing I want to point out because I feel like a lot of times on podcasts, you hear the guests and you hear the host talk about like team building and getting this VA and you know hiring this person to their team and doing these things. And when I think about myself, when I first started in my real estate business, I didn't have the money in my business to go out and hire somebody. Right. Like, and I think that's just like an important distinction to make because it's like when you're first starting sometimes you do have to wear all of the hats just to kind of get the whole machine to get to start turning, right? Like if you maybe go out and try and hire everything right away, you might not have the resources, whether that's money, whether that's the knowledge and ability to train those people, or even just the desire. So I I just want to make sure that we're framing the conversation and that, yes, it's cool to hear Aaron and Tony and Ashley and, and Brandon and Dave and all these other people talk about how their teams are being built. But when you're first starting out, sometimes you do have to do everything yourself. So I guess my question to you, Aaron, is... When you first started wholesaling, was your team what
1: it is today, or, or was it just you as a as a one man show? My team was me, for sure. <laughs> when I first started wholesaling, and so I was like making calls to people, and then following up with them, and then signing contracts with people at the properties, and then talking to the title company, and then making sure everything closed. And then when it didn't, just tearing my hair out and run around like a chicken with my head cut off, and then going to a different appointment where I'm trying to. Put my head back on so the person that wants to sell me their house thinks i have it together and honestly like still i feel like <laughs> i'm just yeah i'm faking until i make it i feel like i mean we've all read like the
2: e-myth right like have you guys read the the myth by michael gerber right so in that book it always talks about working on your business and not always working in your business but i listened to an interview with michael gerber where he made like a very important distinction about the working on versus working in And what he said is that that is a gradual change, right? Like the book, you read the book and it's like a six hour, seven hour read, right? But the actual process to go from consistently working in your business to consistently working on your business, that's a gradual change that takes time. And he said most people, when they first start, they should be working in their business. So I appreciate you being transparent and open air and about how you've kind of started off that way, but you're trying to transition into working more so on your business.
0: Aaron, do you have any uh, book recommendations or even YouTube videos or people that you've followed that have really helped you kind of with this mindset shift and to help you implement some of your processes to get to this point where you wanna be working outside of the business instead of in it?
1: Yeah, so like I mentioned, I love self-help books, so I could like go on a big list, but I think the most helpful for working on my business. I mean, I've read the E-Myth and I like listened to the audiobook of Traction or whatever. And I think I need to read that one because it didn't like, I was like, eh, the book's okay, but everybody's going crazy about it. But the book that really did help me a lot for working on my business or how to think about it is this book called The Road Less Stupid by, I think it's like Keith something, but I haven't heard of it a lot of places. And I think it's like really, yeah underrated because it gives you like these different chapters and then like here's things that i've seen he's i guess like a vc so a venture capitalist he's seen a bunch of businesses grow and everything and he's like here's like this one specific topic here's how you should think about it and then at the very end of the chapter he gives you like a list of like 15 or 20 questions and he spends the first quarter of the book just outlining how you should think about your business and so he coined this term for me at least called thinking time. And he's like, you should do a thinking time probably two times a week if possible. And when I first started my business, it was actually kind of easy to set aside time for the thinking times. And so I got in a good habit of like Tuesday, Thursday mornings. First thing I do is I just like make some coffee and get myself really situated. I got a sweet ritual around it where I light a candle and I put on a special hat and uh, sit down at a table where there's no distraction. It's just me and a legal pad and write down a question and answers to it. And so that book has been really helpful. But then, like I mentioned, I, I don't feel like I really know what I'm doing when I'm hiring people because like I worked for like a huge company and I never had anybody reporting to me. And so now I'm hiring a VA, kind of the second VA. And I just have no, I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. But I heard, basically, I heard somebody on a podcast. It's um this guy named Dan Bro. It's like Dan Brault. He was on one of the Bigger Pockets podcasts. And he's like, doing cool things with wholesaling. And so I followed him on some social media and then I saw him post like, yeah, I got a like mastermind coaching call group thing. And I was like, yeah, sure. I could learn something from you for sure. And so I signed up for that and he's been providing a lot of helpful information for wholesaling in particular.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's super cool. And Tony, I saw you uh, typing in to order that book. So please send me a copy
1: (laughs) while you're at it,
0: (laughs) while you're shopping.
2: (laughs) We know, and you all know why it's super important that good tenant screening is absolutely critical to your management process. Luckily, RentReady, the comprehensive property management software, has a new feature that makes tenant screening a complete breeze. In addition to TransUnion-certified tenant screening, RentReady now offers proof-of-income verification. So RentReady's automatic tenant proof-of-income verification ensures an in-depth check of each applicant's financial stability and earnings. With Plaid-certified tenant income and asset reports, you can see a potential tenant's income summary and total earnings by month. It's time to say goodbye to that whole gut check tenant screening and feel confident renting out your property with Rent Ready. Now, Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for only $1. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP like Bigger Pockets Investor for six months of Rent Ready for only $1.
4: Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours, even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process.
2: Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act Head over to CorporateDirect.com slash BiggerPockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's CorporateDirect.com slash BiggerPockets.
0: Aaron, so you've been doing your wholesaling business since this spring, really, of 2021. And you already have started building your team. What is your advice for a rookie investor, as to when they start building their team, when they start reaching out to outsource
1: some of their tasks?
0: And how do you find these people?
1: That's a good question. I think for me, I knew that when I started wholesaling, I was like, I don't want to be a one-man operation. Although like, I think there are a lot of people that are just like, I'm just a one-man wholesaling operation. I make like good money for myself. I don't spend that much time doing it. But when I was going into it, I was like, I want this to be basically i want to like build it up to a certain level and then get myself out of it as fast as possible so i can focus on other stuff like whether it's flipping houses or burying or whatever i decide to spend my time on so i was like i want to hire people as fast as possible without like rushing into it so basically i just came up with a couple criteria in like a thinking time where i was like i want to have three months of somebody's salary saved up and i want to have like a little bit of other runway i think scott trench mentioned it or he had that term where you have like a financial runway. So I want to have my financial runway and then like a financial runway for them. And so that's when I like decided I was ready to hire somebody. And then how I chose the specific person to hire, I used this like table of four different categories. I think it was an EOS. So or traction or that book where it was like what are the things that you're good at and you like doing what are the things that you're bad at and don't like doing and then like bad at but you do like it and then so basically it was just like start on the things that you're bad at and you don't like doing and then outsource those and for me i was lucky that those were kind of the repetitive and the tasks that would be easy to train a virtual assistant for and so I've been making videos on Loom, so I'm just recording myself in my screen whenever I'm doing stuff like getting an email ready to send out to the buyers list or when I'm sending texts to people, how I do that, make a video with Loom.
2: Yeah, Aaron, like so so much good advice there. And I think a lot of people they they have fears around building out a team because sometimes it does seem like it's it's more work to train somebody up than it is to like just do it yourself. But your process of just recording yourself while you're doing it, because you're gonna do it anyway, and then sharing that with them as a training material, I think is is super insightful. I think one, one follow-up question for me, because you, you kind of you mentioned this briefly, but you said the VA that you hired to help with cold calling is in South America. It's a totally different country. A couple of questions around that hire. First, is that if you have this person that you've hired for cold calling, were they already trained in how to cold call for wholesaling? Or was that a process that you had to kind of train them up in? And then second, Was the language barrier at all a concern for you and hiring from someone overseas?
1: So it's a service that I'm using and I found them through like another like Facebook group of wholesalers. They were like, yeah, one person on there was like, yeah, we just started or we've been cold calling and this person has really helped us out. You should check it out. And then like A few weeks later somebody else was like, Yeah, I just started with that same guy and like I'm loving it. He's super helpful. And so I was like, Well, this is something that I do want to like hire out and I need more leads coming in. I'm ready to handle them. And so it just makes sense. I'm gonna test it out. And the language barrier is it's not too bad. So there are just kind of like giving me the warm leads. So I guess they don't have to talk on the phone a ton. And then there's like some words that the script that they're using, just like they don't say very well. So I've been training them a little bit that way.
2: So two follow-up questions for me on that. and, And this is kind of about the quality control and then the workflow. I guess I'll talk about the quality control portion first. Like, do you have an ability to listen in on their conversations to be able to give them feedback? Or are you just kind of blindly trusting that they're kind of knocking it out the park for
1: you? I can listen into their conversations, So that's a good question. I'm using what's now called ready mode. used to be like Zen Dialer, but that helps. That's what they're using, I guess. And that records the conversations. And I've been recording all the other conversations that I've been having because I've been using CallRail. So like I'll call somebody up when I was cold calling. And actually when my friend and I were cold calling, we would have sessions on Fridays where we would roast each other in our cold call. So it was basically just like put on a 10 minute call of you like talking to somebody and then let my colleague just tell me what went well and what went poorly. And I really liked those. And I'm still doing some feedback sessions with other wholesalers now.
0: Tony, maybe we should do those Friday night roasts between me and you. Like Jeez, Tony! I can't believe you said that on this podcast.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know what, Ash and I have been talking about doing is just like going on social media and just like reading all the read the like mean reviews of us on the on the podcast. So maybe that's what we can do for our roast session is just like read the bad review.
0: Yeah, it's like. On the Late Show, they had like their mean tweets segment where they'd have celebrities yeah. read the mean tweets about them. Yeah. <laughs> Except, I don't think anybody's ever said anything mean about Tony, so I'll just have to I've, I'll just I've have to create that. some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. I don't know if that would be as productive as, as Aaron's rose session, but, yeah. but close enough. So, Aaron, one more follow up question for me on the on kind of the workflow with your VAs, so. In terms of how the leads are kind of moved through the pipeline, I guess just give us an overview of what that looks like. Are you giving them the leads? Or are they pulling their own list or is it your list? Are they just kind of trying to like, I guess, gauge for interest in selling or are they actually setting appointments? And then like, how do the leads actually get to you? So just give us like an overview of that entire process.
1: It's kind of actually, the process is still in development. So in ready mode, my VA started setting an appointment for me. And since then I was like, right when she first started, I like had no idea. I was like, well, why haven't I gotten any leads? This is ridiculous. It's been like half a week and I haven't seen anything come through because I thought they were gonna be pushed to my CRM. And then there was just an integration error. And so there was like a five appointments that I just had not gone to. But since then she's now like setting follow-up call appointments for me to understand what the seller's motivation is, and then basically get like motivation timeline and a price range from them just to see if we'll be a good fit. And then from there, I will go out on an appointment to the actual property and take some photos and try to sign a contract if it makes sense for both of us. But the lists I'm pulling and then I send to them and yeah, I I would like to probably at some point automate list polling and kind of managing of, because I'm using a couple, I was cold calling for a little, or sorry, cold calling, texting, and sending direct mail. And I was like rotating through the lists. And I honestly am not managing that as well as I should be.
0: Aaron, I want to take us to our rookie deal review and kind of break down one of these wholesale deals that you have done. I'm going to ask you a couple just like fire on questions here, just so we can get an idea of what the deal looks like. And then if you want to go ahead into the story after that. So do you have a deal in mind? Do you want to share with us? I do. Yeah. Okay. What kind of property is it? A single family? Yeah. And what market is it in?
1: St. Louis, Missouri.
0: And how did you find the deal?
1: So I found the deal by driving for dollars, actually, when I w- still had my W2 job driving for dollars, sent him a bunch of direct mail, They never replied. And then I recycled that list and was cold calling it when I first started. And they answered a call and then I went out and meet them.
0: That's so funny that you tried the two different ways and the one worked and the other didn't. Okay. And then what was your contract price on this?
1: Got it under contract for $140,000.
0: And what did you assign it for?
1: One hundred and forty-five.
0: dollars Nice. Okay. Do you want to go into... Kind of tell us how you negotiated that and how you found your buyer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I want to be clear. The assignment fee was $5,000. So, right. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That would be a wild deal. (laughs)
3: Don't
0: worry. I would have had a lot more excitement if it was 145,000 year excitement
3: deal.
1: 145. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I'll let you know a little bit more about it. The reason I guess that they did not answer or reply to any of the direct mail probably was because it was just not the right time for them. They had a tenant in the property for seven years. And then when I called them, they were kind of like finishing up the process of kicking that tenant out because they had stopped paying water and utilities and rent for months. And so I just got a hold of them at the right time. And I was like, hey, yeah, have you ever considered selling that property? And she was like, well, actually, we're just had a real estate agent walk through it and I'm gonna go and get some quotes from somebody this Friday, would you be able to? And I was like, oh, well, I could come by and have a look at it and just like, you know what I think I could offer. And so when I was negotiating it, I really wanted to obviously get it for a little bit less than 140. I was hoping really I could be, I was like 135 would be a good number for me. And then I could assign it for, I was hoping like 150. And then I always try to target a $15,000 spread, although I've yet to hit it. it's what I'm aiming for. So I started a little bit lower with my numbers and she was like, yeah, I really want, we want to get 150. I know it's like it's probably worth like 210 or after it's fixed up. And I was like, yeah, but it does need a lot of work since that tenant was in there for seven years. And they were kind of like, they had a lot of dogs and they were DIYing some like updates to the house that were questionable. And so she actually had moved out of state after she had the property. So for their, her and her husband's job, they moved into... Indianapolis they were like five or six hours away and so I was like so what's your plan with the property she's like yeah we're just going to fix it up come down on the weekends and stuff and uh fix it up and then probably just sell it it's a good market and I was like yeah it is if you didn't want to like drive down here and she had two little kids with her um and I was like if you don't want to come down here with your family all the time I could just buy it and fix it up it'll be easier for me and so that's kind of how that negotiation went
0: So you were listening to things that she said, like she had kids with her and she lived far away and you use that as a tool to offer her something that was appealing so that you could get that lower purchase price. That's awesome. So how long did this deal take place? How much time did you put into making that $5,000?
1: Probably more than I would have liked to really. Somebody was under contract to buy it for a while. I guess I think I set the close date to be like, 45 days after we signed the contract, and this guy went and saw it, and he was like, "Yeah, this looks great. I'm just going to like move some money out of my 401k, and then we'll be able to buy this property and fix it and flip it up, or fix it and flip it." And then like it was his deal for a while, and then for whatever reason he couldn't get the finances to buy it and close in time, and that was like two or three weeks before I was supposed to close. And so I was like scrambling for a week or two, just like, I need somebody to buy this property in two weeks for $140,000 at least. And then I ended up finding a local investor that wanted to get it, but I was I was all over the place.
2: I think that's that's like a really critical piece, right? So I, I wanna make sure we don't gloss over that. You had two weeks to find a buyer and you said you, you ended up connecting with the local investor, like walk us through how you found that person in the 11th hour. Was it through like a
1: a meetup? Was it just a friend?
2: Like, where'd you guys connect?
1: So I was like, I was posting it in the different Facebook groups and like sending out texts to people that had bought properties cash in the area before. And I called like the We Buy Ugly Houses people. And this guy, like just kind of out of the blue, reached out to me and was like, hey, I'm looking for this place. And he was one of the people that I had texted, I think. And I was like, yeah, come through and have a look. And he was like, yeah, it looks pretty good. We buy a lot of houses in this area and we signed the assignment contract. I don't even think it was a week before the close. I think we like agreed on it with a handshake a week before we needed to close. And then all the documents were signed like on Monday or Tuesday. And then closing was on Thursday. And I was,
0: whew. (laughs) <laughs> sweating on that one.
1: <laughs> yeah. But kudos to you
2: for, for like figuring it out. Yeah. Right. Like I think a lot of people that get into that situation, they kind of panic, but you, you kind of kept your cool for the most part and found a way to make the deal work. One last question before we move on from the this
1: rookie deal review.
2: What would have happened, to Aaron, had you not been able to find a buyer? Like what would your next steps have been?
1: That's a good question. The contract that I have is I would have just lost the earnest money that I had put down on that property. I had a few other people that were interested in buying the property and I had worked, I was talking to another wholesaler that was like, yeah, we've got somebody that's super interested, but they only are going to pay like 135 for it. That's what their numbers are coming out at. And so I actually like reached out to the buyer and I was like, would you like, I know I said I was going to close on it. And it was like, just the worst feeling that I had going into the conversation and then the conversation was awful and the seller of the property was like not happy with me and she was like no I can't close for less like people have already talked to us and then I finally found somebody that would close for a little bit more than what I wanted to or a little bit more than and she got what she needed
2: And I ask that question because different wholesalers will kind of approach that situation in different ways, right? Some will say, hey, we never not close on a deal. Like I know some that say like, okay, if we have to buy it ourselves, we'll buy it ourselves and we'll we'll kind of figure it out from there. Some, like you said, they're they're okay walking away and just leaving the seller with their, their assignment fee. So there's a bunch of different exit strategies I guess on a wholesale deal. So that's the point that I was really trying to make. So thank you for sharing that uh that experience with this man. It sounds like you you did pretty good clearing 5k on a on a relatively easy deal, man.
1: Yeah. And actually like I would have probably ended up closing on it if I had the funds, but for that one I just couldn't do it. But the first wholesale that I did where it was like a whole tail, that was the reason I because I like had it under contract for too much and couldn't sell it. So I was like, ah. Oh, it makes sense for me to flip Let me it. Do it myself. Yeah, and barely made anything on it, and learned a lot. But you
2: learned right, and that's the beauty of real estate, man. Is that there's so many different ways to make a deal work, brother. So, so glad this one worked out for you. So, Aaron, want to move on to our mindset segment next. I want to get into the psyche of Aaron and, and uh, learn a little bit more about what makes you tick, man. So, if we go back to Aaron, maybe when he first graduated from college or before he started consuming all those those Bigger Pockets podcasts and books and whatnot you had some maybe assumptions you had about what it means to be a real estate investor, right? You had some maybe made up beliefs about what you thought it was going to be like. If you think about all those thoughts, all those ideas that you had, which of those turned out to not be true? Which of those turned out to be misconceptions about what it means to be a real estate investor?
1: I think it's kind of funny. I'm probably unique in that I think Really thought I was like, oh, it's really easy. You just buy a house and then rent it out to people and then they just pay your mortgage? Be silly not to do that. So I just jumped in and I was like, oh, it's a little (laughs) tricky.
2: (laughs) But I, I think that cuts both ways, right? Because you see you see some people that overestimate the amount of complexity that goes into real estate investing. And then on the flip side, you you see some people that underestimate it. And, you know, I've shared this on the podcast a lot. You, You hear other investors say it as well, but real estate investing is not super complicated, right? It's a fairly simple process to get started in the world of real estate investing, but it is definitely not easy to become a real estate investor, right? It takes an extreme amount of effort to get there. So it is hard. It's not complicated, but it is hard. I think there's so many proven paths as you can follow to become a real estate investor. That's why the complexity is not there, but it is hard, especially if you're working at W2, especially if you have like busy family commitments, especially if you have other things going on to, Dedicate the time to underwrite the deals, to make those relationships, to do all of the legwork that's required to get the first deal done. I think that's where the hard part comes from. So you're definitely not alone, man, and kind of, uh, you know, getting that guess wrong. But uh, we appreciate the transparency around it.
0: Yeah. Me and Tony still, even today, will text each other and just be like, do you feel overwhelmed right now? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes, <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. All the things that you have going on. Okay, so I'm going to take us to our rookie request line. You guys can give us a call at any time one eight 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 five rookie and leave us a voicemail. We may just play your question on the show and have a guest answer it.
4: Hey there, Ashley and Tony. My name is Ashton Maximo. I'm here in San Diego right now. I'm A full-time worker detailing and I'm wanting to get into real estate and I've come to a place in my life where I can take off a few months of work and really just focus on it. My main goal is trying to get into wholesaling and doing that, but really just wondering if you guys think that's a good idea or any other thoughts you guys might have. Thank you.
1: I would say... Start working on getting into wholesaling before you quit your job. Because at the beginning, you're not going to have just a pipeline full of leads that you can follow up with and like go and visit. And it takes a long time to close a deal. And like I mentioned, this person that I, like in the deep dive deal, I found them nine months before the deal closed, before we even signed a contract. And then it was another two months after that. So do a little bit of maybe driving for dollars and then get a good, you have a good unique list that way, and then reach out to them. However is best for you. Um, if you don't have a lot of money, but you have a lot of time and energy cold calling could work. If you are on the opposite end of the spectrum, you could send out some direct mail or something like that. And yeah, just, talk to other people also that are in your market that are wholesaling and see what their take is as well.
0: Yeah. I bet there's an opportunity out there where you can even work for a wholesaler doing driving for dollars for them and send them leads and learn their processes and systems. And, you know, maybe you just do it one or two nights a week or Sundays or something, but I think giving out your time for that experience is definitely very valuable. And then, Who knows they will probably pay you a a fee or you know part of the assignment fee if you bring the deal or something like that so look out for those opportunities too with other investors tony who is our rookie rock star of the week
2: today's rookie rock star is dalton from pa and for all of our rookies that are out there listening uh, if you would like a shout out on the real estate rookie podcast be sure to get active in the real estate rookie Facebook group be sure to get active on the vicker Pockets forums uh, that's where we're pulling all these folks from or give you know Ashley and I a shout out on Instagram she's at wealth for rentals I'm at Tony J Robinson if we find some good stories there we'll be sure to share it on the podcast as well but anyway, Dalton from PA this one's really cool just got the appraisal back on my first mini burr and the purchase price was 62500 rehab was three thousand so they're all in for just a little over sixty five thousand dollars the appraisal came in at one hundred and seven thousand dollars in this property so they were able to cash out refi at eighty thousand two hundred and fifty dollars which means they pulled out seventeen thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars more than what they put into it so awesome awesome first bird dalton and excited to see what comes next for you guys
0: that's so great aaron Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you let everyone know where they can reach out to you and find out some more information?
1: Yeah, you can catch me on BiggerPockets for sure or Instagram or TikTok. Instagram is Top Dog Enterprises, T-O-P-P-D-O-G-G Enterprises and TikTok is -G G R E I Real Estate Investing.
2: Dude, you're giving the zoom dog room for his money right now, man. <laughs> uh, the TL double P D L double G. <laughs> I love it.
1: <laughs> I started in LLC to get my first rental property, and I was like, I don't know what to make it. And uh, I was a DJ in college, and I was top dog, so it just made sense. <laughs> there you go.
0: Man. Are we on your TikTok, are we gonna see some DJ videos on there?
1: It's a mix right now of videos of me being like really goofy, maybe too goofy really pushing the line. And then also like real estate stuff, walking through houses, trying to give tips on looking at houses.
0: Oh, cool. We'll have to check that out. Well, thank you so much, Aaron. Everybody, thank you for listening to this week's Real Estate Rookie Podcast. And I hope everybody has a great new year's this is our last guest episode of the year and Tony I think that going into the new year I'm going to change out the outro because we always say this is Ashley at Wealth from Rentals and this is Tony at Tony J Robinson on Instagram but I feel like we need something new and fresh so start thinking about it maybe like an inspirational quote or like a movie quote <laughs> At the end of each episode. All
2: Tommy boy, all Tommy boy (laughs) one-liners at the end of each episode.
0: For a whole year. (laughs) Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great new year and we will see you in 2022. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com/deals.